If you guys have a Bible, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 is where we're going to be in just a minute. So if you got a Bible, go ahead and open that. you got one on your mobile device that you're using today, go ahead and turn that on. We'll get there in just a second to Hebrews 12. Uh, 1 and 2 is where we're going to be at today. But one thing I want to mention before I forget, um, uh, this, this Christmas, one thing we're trying to do, uh, Summit has entered into a partnership with Head Start here locally. We're kind of their official sponsor church, and anything they need, we try to meet their needs. There are 51 families uh, that they have asked us to try to come together and to put Christmas meal boxes together for, and we've taken on that challenge. You can get information on that out there in the lobby uh, to your left. I think you'll see all kinds of sweatshirts, things like that, but there's information about all the items needed in those boxes, and we need everything in those boxes by December the 17th, okay? Uh, by December the 17th, we need all of those here because we're going to give those out there so you can bring them next Sunday if you need to or any Sunday up to that point. But all the information is out there. Let's come together as a church, man. Let's make that happen. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1, 2. Uh, hopefully you're there. If not, don't worry about it because the words are going to be up on the screen. They always are behind me. Um, and, and we say it every week. If you don't have a Bible, on your way out, free Bibles for you. Just grab one on your way out today, okay? Okay. Um, but, uh, but I was thinking about this uh, sermon we're doing today and how we're going to wrap up this series, Frequently Asked Questions. And, uh, and I, was, I was thinking, you know, if I were to be totally honest with you today, um, uh, nobody is more surprised uh, about what God has done here in just, just a little over a year. I mean, we're seeing uh, right at 500 people every week at Summit, all the lives that have been changed and baptisms and all that stuff. Nobody is more surprised about that probably than me. Um, I mean, it floors me. I get excited that you guys come back every week and you bring friends and your friends come back and they bring friends. And so, um, so I get really excited about that. I just, I'm just excited about what God's doing uh, here and what we're seeing God do and what we're going to see him do uh, on the 23rd and on into the Christmas season. Um, but there are some unique challenges with the church our size, isn't there? You know, like one of, the, one of the really unique challenges that I have a hard time getting used to is, um, you know, so right now there's several hundred people here just in this room, and then you consider all the people that are in the building serving right now, um, but there are just a, a lot of people here in the room, and we don't know everybody here, do we? I mean, it, it, one of the unique things here to try to get used to is, is just the idea that there's so many people here at Summit that we're not going to know everybody. And listen, as our church grows... Uh, that's going to continue to be an issue. That's why we say every week, um, you, you need to volunteer and you need to get into a life group because the thing that's going to cause you to stick here at Summit and stay around are relationships that you build with other people. Nobody that volunteers and nobody in a life group is talking about how they don't know anybody at Summit, okay? So you, you need to do one of those. Um, but I was thinking this week, I was thinking, you know, if I could have a conversation with every single person at Summit. It doesn't matter uh, men, women, it doesn't matter how old you are, it really doesn't matter where you're at spiritually. If I can have a conversation with every single person that says that Summit is the church that they go to, if I could have a conversation with every person in the room, just, just me and you and, and at a table, a cup of coffee, I would have the same conversation with every person in the room. I, I would only want to talk about one thing. I would only try to, try to encourage you, challenge you with one thing. If I could have a conversation with you today, me and you and a cup of coffee, I would just want to challenge you with one thing today. 
one thing in that conversation, and it's really the one thing that I want to press on us today as we're answering the question, can I lose my salvation? If you're like, what in the world does that mean? Can, can, I, can I be a Christian one moment and then all of a sudden something happens in my life? We'll kind of unpack this in a minute. And then all of a sudden I'm not saved. Can I have a relationship with Jesus and then lose or walk out of that relationship? Or he walks out of that relationship with me. That's what we mean when we say, can I lose my salvation? And what I want to do today, I just want, to, I just want you to leave with one point. Just one, just, just one. I just want you to leave with one point. But, but if I say the one point right now that I want you to leave with, it won't make sense. Because you're thinking, well, we're answering the question, how can I lose my salvation? Why is that your point? So before I get to the main point, I feel like I need to build a foundation. And so really what I want to do today, I, I want to build two foundation points that are going to lead up to my main point. So I've got two foundations that are going to lead to the main point, okay? Two foundations that are going to lead to the main point. Or if you're here and you're no fun at all, I have three points, okay? So that's what we're doing. It just depends on how fun you are. Two foundations and a point if you're fun, or if you're no fun at all, three points. All right, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 is where we're going to be today. Hopefully you're there, and hey, if you're not, don't worry about it. It's, there it is, right there. Bam. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. First thing I want you to see today is that Jesus has purchased all of your salvation. Jesus has purchased all of your salvation. We, we, we're going to get into the context of, of why in the world the book of Hebrews was written uh, anyway. We're going to see in a second it's really not a book at all. It's really a sermon. But, but we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, okay? We, a lot of, most, most of the New Testament is written by a guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul. A lot of people think that he wrote Hebrews, but at the end of the day, nobody knows for sure who wrote the book of Hebrews. But whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, notice what he calls Jesus here at the very beginning. He says that Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith. You, you might have a Bible in front of you or on your phone that says that Jesus is the author and he's the finisher of my faith. He's the founder and the perfecter. He's the author and he's the finisher. See, that point alone, we could just say that right there and that answers the question, can I lose my salvation? Jesus is the author and he's the finisher. You say, what's that mean? Here's what it means. What Jesus starts in your life, he finishes. Right? What Jesus starts in your life, he always brings to completion. He always finishes every job he starts in our life. He doesn't do anything halfway. He doesn't do anything 80%. Jesus completely finishes everything that he starts in our life. So once he starts something in my life, he's not going to up and walk out of my life and leave it halfway done. He's not going to look at me and say, listen, Mark, you can't get your act together. You need to suck it up a little, little bit more. I'm out until you can do that. Jesus, once he starts something, he finishes it. He's the author and the finisher. See, I think a lot of our confusion here when it comes to can I lose my salvation or not, I think, a, I think a lot of the confusion is that we think that when Jesus died on the cross, the only thing that Jesus did was he bought my forgiveness. And listen, he did buy your forgiveness, all right? Jesus bought your forgiveness 
for your sin. But listen, we needed him to buy more than that. Jesus bought the forgiveness for my sin, but we needed Jesus to buy more than that. See, because here's why. Once you give your life to Jesus and he forgives you for your sin, sin is still there, isn't it? Right? I mean, yeah, you, you don't need to be a Christian for five seconds to know that it's difficult being a Christian because sin is still there. It's a battle between what the Bible calls the spirit and the, and the flesh. There's a part of you that doesn't want to obey him, doesn't want to live for him. When Jesus forgives you for your sin, he doesn't eradicate sin from your life. It's still there. So right here, as I'm doing this sermon today, and you're looking at me, you're looking at me on this stage, there is sin in my life. Did you know that? There is sin in my, did you know that? Oh my gosh, there's sin in me, right? Now I'm not smoking crack here in the back or anything like that, but there's sin in me. Why? Because sin isn't simply things that you do, it's who you are. The, the Bible says that we're born with sin nature. So I, 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 have, uh, I have people that ask me this question all the time. Hey Mark, so if I just stay in bed all day, I won't sin, will I? Uh, well, you'll be a loser, but number two, um, Yes. Why? Because sin isn't simply things that you do. It's, it's who you are. See, sin comes from our hearts. We're born with a sin nature, and what's in our hearts makes its way to our eyes and our mind and our hands and our feet and our lips. It, it makes its way into our behavior. That's why if you just focus on changing your behavior, you're missing the point because your behavior comes from your heart. It, it flows out of who you are. As you're sitting there in the seat, did you know there's sin in you? Did you know that? As, as, as we're in this room, there's, there's sin still in us. And so we needed Jesus to do more than purchase our forgiveness, which he did. Jesus bought our forgiveness, but Jesus also purchased our justification. Justification meaning that the moment that you give your life to Jesus, God looks at you and he declares over your life, Christians, you need to get this, man, and live on this truth. The moment that you give your life to Jesus, God looks at you and says, not guilty. Not guilty, never guilty, because my son has taken your place. His perfect record, I'm going to credit it to you as if his perfect record was your perfect record. And every time God sees you, Christian, when God looks at you right now, he doesn't see you, he sees Jesus. He, he doesn't see you and all your screw-ups and all your hang-ups. Jesus, look, he looks at you and he sees the perfect sacrifice of his son. He purchased our justification. Jesus also purchased our adoption. Meaning that when I give my life to Jesus, all of a sudden God becomes my heavenly father. And I'm his child. And listen, God's never lost one of his kids. Did you know that? God's never lost one of his kids. God is not in heaven looking at Jesus and the Holy Spirit saying, Where's Johnny? Where's Johnny? He was here. I just turned away. Oh, man. Oh, me. Right? Because that's what God would say, right? Oh, me. Not, oh, never mind. But... That's a joke grenade. You'll get it later. You got to have a sophisticated sense of humor here. Um, don't clap, bro. Don't clap. I don't need your mercy, pity, claps, and stuff. That was funny, and we'll find out one day how funny. But he never loses one of his kids, man. He's never lost one of his kids. He purchases your adoption. Not only did Jesus buy your justification and your adoption, Jesus purchased your sanctification. Because in between what Jesus starts and, he fin and what he finishes, he's making us more into his image. He's changing our lives. He's not going to start something in my life and then lose me in the middle. He's going to bring me to the end. And to make sure that he brings me to the end, he's going to make me like him. He's purchased my sanctification. He's also purchased my glorification. You use these words around your friend, they'll think you're smart. 
He's also purchased my glorification, meaning that one day Jesus is going to bring me to himself. He's going to finish what he starts in my life, and I'm going to see him. My my faith is going to give way to sight. I'm going to look at him. He's going to look at me, and I will perfectly love him. I will perfectly live for him. I will perfectly trust him. He's going to do that in my life. Once you're in his hand, listen to me, he refuses to let you go. Once you're in his hand, he refuses to let you go. You can't lose your salvation because Jesus' work on the cross was full and final and complete. There's a reason that at the last word Jesus says was, it is finished. What's finished? His payment for your salvation. His payment for your forgiveness, for your justification, for your adoption, for your sanctification, for your glorification. He started it. He's with you in the middle. He's going to bring you to the end. He can't walk out on your life. Why? Because he died and he's bought you and you're his. I knew you'd clap at that. That's why the sermon's not over. See, we could close it out right now, and I would let you go 20 minutes early, and some of you would say, I love that church. That's the best church ever. Why? Early we got out, bro. 20 minutes. It's not done. Okay? Because the Bible doesn't end there. The Bible doesn't, the Bible doesn't end with, hey, here's, some, here's, here's a pillow that you can lay your head on so that you can know you can never lose your salvation. salvation. The Bible does this. Here, you can never lose your salvation, and then it gives you a truth that just seems to come in through the side door that makes no sense. See, because these two foundation truths that I want to press on us before we get to the main point, I tried to put them in a way that they would come together. So, so here it is. Jesus purchased all of your salvation, and here's number two, including my running. Jesus purchased all of my salvation, including me running, including you running. I mean, look at this. Look at what happens here in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Because listen, when you read the Bible, there should be some tension when you read the Bible. There there should be some stuff that you read in the Bible and it just messes you up. It just gets under your skin. and, And the only explanation you have for it is that God's saying this because nobody would make that up. I'll give you an example. The Trinity, there's one God who exists as three distinct persons. Nobody gets up on the stage and completely unpacks that because to everybody, that's a mystery. Well, see, there's some tension in what we read a minute ago because he says that Jesus is the founder and the perfecter. He's the author. He's the finisher. He's never going to let us go. And then all of a sudden, he says, look at this, let us run with endurance. Huh? Man, I thought, I thought you said that Jesus was the author and the finisher. I thought you said what he starts, he finishes. And you're going to back that up with now run? I hate running, bro. What? See, that doesn't make any sense. Let's, let's be honest. That makes no sense why he would say that. Why in the world would he say Jesus has started something in your life and he absolutely refuses to not finish it. He is going to finish what he started. You cannot lose your salvation. He's the author and the finisher. So run. That doesn't make any sense. Why would he say that? 
And, and see, when he uses the word run there, when we use the word run, because we'll use it a lot here starting from this point. When we use the word run, what he means is he means pressing on in your relationship with Jesus. He means not getting satisfied with where you're at right now, refusing to coast. You want to love him more. You want to worship him more. You want to trust him more. He means pressing forward in your relationship with Jesus. He started something. He's going to finish it. Now run. Why would he say that? Here's why. Here's why. Because running is proof that he started something in your life. Running is proof that Jesus has started something in your life. Running, pressing forward, I want to grow, I want to love him more, I wish I trusted him more than I do. Running that kind of race is proof that Jesus has started something in your life. See, listen, we don't run in order to be saved. We run because we are saved. We don't don't run in order to be saved. We run because we are saved. We're pressing forward to know him and want to live for him because he started something in our lives. We don't run to be saved. We run because we are saved. And listen, listen, listen. Don't get caught up on that word run. Okay? Because let's be honest. Doesn't it feel a lot of times like you are barely crawling forward in your relationship with Jesus? Right? I mean, it rarely feels like you're at a place where you're in full stride running the perfect mile, doesn't it? A lot of times it feels like you're barely putting one foot in front of the other. A a lot of times it just barely feels like you're crawling forward. What he means is direction. Direction. It doesn't matter if you're running or crawling, barely moving. What matters is the direction that you're going in. That's what matters, he means. And, and, and you shouldn't hear this and think, okay, so, so a relationship with Jesus is all about my willpower. So you're telling me that if I just suck it up and try really hard and run, that's what it means. It's, it's all my effort. No, that's not what it means. It's not what he's saying at all. See, God's strength works in me to produce effort that leads me to run. God's strength works in my life that leads to effort and it leads me taking more steps towards him. I'll give you an example. Some of you, the reason that you came today is because you love Jesus and and you want to get with Jesus' people. You want to worship Jesus. You want to know Jesus more. And listen, the reason that you got up and that's your motivation and the reason you're here is because God's at work in your life. Some of you should have got fired up right there. That's a good truth. Because you're not just doing this because you're making good decisions and willpower. It might feel that way, but behind it all is the Holy Spirit who's breathing into your life saying, keep going, keep pressing, press to know him. He's died for you. Don't stop moving. Some of you, God's moving in your life right now. And he's dealing with you about a sin in your life. He's saying, today, let it go. Today, let's drop it. It's not just you thinking that. That's God working in your life. See, God works in us to produce effort to keep us going. God uses what we do here every week to keep us going. I mean, is there anybody here that would say what we do here every week helps to keep you going? It helps me to keep me going. I don't know if it does you. You guys might just come and watch me do this stuff. Well, thank you because it's helpful for me, so let's do it again next week, same time, all right? But he does, he's given you all kinds of things. He's given you his word so that you can go to it every day to keep you going. And listen, in the Bible... I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. I want you to listen. If you've been playing Angry Birds Star Wars, can you press pause for just a moment, for just a moment, right, and and listen to me right here. Because one of the things that God uses to keep you going 
are verses in the Bible that warn you about what will happen if you quit. Let's get serious. One of the things that God wants to use in your life to keep you going are verses in the Bible that warn you about what will happen if you give up, if you quit, if you stop running. See, some of you needed to hear this message today because you grew up in a church where the pastor told you if you pray this prayer, never doubt at all that you're going to heaven because you are because you prayed a prayer. You were five, now you're 30. And you sit in this seat and you don't love Jesus. You don't have any desire to live for him. But you think that a relationship with Jesus basically consists of your butt in a seat a couple times a year. Glad that you're here today because you needed this. Because that kind of eternal security is not in the Bible. Because God gives us a lot of places in the Bible where he says, if you quit, this is what will happen. Let me just show them to you. And I could take you all over the Bible, but let me just show you a couple that are right in the book of Hebrews, okay? They're going to be up on the screen behind me, but if you've got a Bible, I would advise you to take these and follow along with me today. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Listen to these verses, man. Listen to these verses. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard lest we drift away from it. Huh. I wonder what happens if you drift away from it. Let's let's read another one. Let's read Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6, and it says this. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Well, wait a minute. What happens if I let go of my confidence in Jesus? Does that mean God's not building my life? Does that mean... Does that mean... Let's read verse 14 in chapter 3. Verse 14 is real strong. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. See, you should be at home at your coffee table with your coffee and your Bible reading a verse like that and you should say, what? So, so if we share in Christ, if I'm saved, I'm going to hold my original confidence firm to the What happens if I let go of my confidence in Jesus? Here's his answer. You were never saved to begin with. You might have looked like you were running a good race, but you were never really in it at all. Why? Because every true believer, the Holy Spirit will bring to the finish line. Every true believer, the Holy Spirit of God that lives in you will bring you to the finish line. Let me read you the granddaddy of them all. If you've ba- you got a Baptist background, this might make you pee a little bit, all right? Um, Hebrews chapter, it's real quiet in the room, right? It's real quiet because some of y'all are like, ah! Freaking out. It's on your faces. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance. Since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding Him up to contempt. See, here's what you need to know. The book of Hebrews was written... To a church. And and like I said earlier, it really isn't a book at all. What biblical scholars know is that the book of Hebrews is really a sermon. Now that's a long sermon, okay? This is a long sermon, the book of Hebrews is. And here's the reason that he's preaching this sermon. is because every single person in this church, they were former Jews. 
And here's what you need to know. And you can read the book of Exodus, Leviticus. Judaism had a lot of rules. Their relationship with God, it consisted of a very complex system of animal sacrifices. I mean, you were constantly having to take the neighbor's dog and gut it and pour its blood all over the altar and and all kinds of stuff just to maintain a relationship with God because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Somebody needs to die for sin. So there's this massive complex system of animal sacrifices, all kinds of laws and rules, and here's this entire church, and here's what they're thinking. This is the entire book of Hebrews. They're thinking this. Jesus is cool, but let's walk away from Jesus and go back to this stuff. It was, we had way cooler stuff in Judaism than we do Jesus. I mean, Jesus, we just gave him our lives, and now we trust him. But remember when we used to have to sacrifice the cat? That was cool, wasn't it? Remember we said take fluffy and gut fluffy and take the entrails? and You should read the Bible. This is in the Bible. Not fluffy, but you should read it. And so here's the whole point. They're thinking of giving up. And God had done a great work in their life. And the author of Hebrews says this. If you give up, then it's proof you were never saved to begin with. Hebrews, you shouldn't have any confidence at all that God started something in your life if you walk away. Because the Holy Spirit's going to keep you running. Summit, listen to me. Every single true believer in Jesus is going to make it to the finish line. What he starts, he finishes. But in between is our running. And if we give up, if we quit, I'm going to throw in the towel. I, I can't trust him anymore. I'm walking away. The Bible says then at that point, you should have no confidence that he's ever started anything in your life. I sat down at so many tables with people who've looked at me, real good friends of mine who are, who are preachers in churches. Leaders in churches, and they made decisions that destroyed their families, destroyed their churches. They had absolutely nothing on the surface that said they loved Jesus at all. And they looked at me, and they said, do you think I'm saved? And here's what I said, because I'm not God, and I don't know their heart. I looked them right in the eye, and I said, I don't know. I don't know, man. But here's what I do know. I know you shouldn't get up from this table and feel comfortable about where you're at. You need to repent of that, turn from it, and turn to Jesus and start running again. If he's really started something in your life, the Holy Spirit is not going to let you sit there and get comfortable. See, God's going to bring every true believer to the finish line, and it's going to be messy to the finish line. There, There might even be a real long season, weeks, months, Years where a real believer in Jesus walks away and it just looks like on the surface that that they just left it all. But listen, if the Holy Spirit is really in that individual, the Holy Spirit will always bring them back. Because the Holy Spirit is not going to let you rest, not going to let you get comfortable with what Jesus died for. He's just not going to do it. So he will bring you back. So, so here's his point and here's my point, okay? Okay? Because he said, he's going to finish what he started in your life, but you better run, you better run. So the whole point of the book of Hebrews, and I could take you all over in the Old and New Testament and show you how God just presses this on his people. Because God is telling Christians, he's talking to Christians here, keep running. Because it sounds like God's saying you can lose your salvation, doesn't it? That's not what he means. Really what he's doing, he's giving you warnings. Warnings so that if needed, you can adjust course or stay on course so that you won't get hurt. It's kind of like this. Um, have you ever been driving and maybe it's a piece of road that you've never been on before and you come up on a sign that says, slow down 25 miles an hour, steep curve. You ever seen one of those signs? Right? Um, 
And, and, and you see that sign and you say to yourself, self, we should do that. And so you slow down. You slow down to about 25 miles an hour and you know what happens? Nothing. You just go around the curve and your day goes on. But let's say you're of the adventurous type and you see the sign that says slow down to 25 miles an hour and you floor it to 80, right? And you're in the curve and what's going to happen? not going to go well, bro. Not going to go well. But listen, listen, there was a warning that could have saved your life. So many times people look at God and look at the Bible and they think, oh, he's just trying to take my fun. God's nothing but rules. You've never looked at a slow to 25 mile an hour sign and said, they're just trying to take my fun away. It's all rules, 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 rules. You've never done that, have you? God is the only area of our lives where we look at a time where he's trying to help us and to protect us and bring us to life and say, no thanks, I'll choose death. And so God gives warnings in the Bible, don't quit, slow down. And his whole point here and the whole point this morning, he's looking at people whose relationship with Jesus is running on all cylinders, they're growing, and he's looking at the person who's thinking about walking away, and he says the same thing to both, don't quit. That's the whole point that I want to press on us this morning. Summit, can you lose your salvation? No. So what should we do? Run. Don't quit. If you're here and you're a leader in this church, everything we ask you to do, man, you do it and your relationship with Jesus is running on all cylinders. Don't quit. You're here, you've got a sin in your life, it's causing you to think about walking away. You're you're at a place now where months ago you said you'd never be. Don't quit. You're here, you've got a relationship with Jesus, and that relationship with Jesus, you know it, he knows it. It's really built on convenience, not him as Lord. Man, you need to, you need to, you need to turn and start running. See, because, because can we just be honest for a second and confess that we're closer to giving up than we think we are, right? Can we just be honest for a second and admit that we're all weaker than we think that we are, Right? We all are. And if you don't think that you're as weak, that you're, oh man, I would never do that. That's funny. Peter told Jesus the same thing. Jesus, I'll never deny you. For real? Funny you should mention that, Peter. Because tonight, you're going to deny that you know me three times. If Peter would do it, listen, I'm not picking on you. I would do it. You got to know that the number one prayer that Mark Holmes prays for Mark Holmes, and there's different nuances for this, But the number one prayer that I pray for myself is, God, will you not let me quit? Don't let me give up. Don't let me make that decision. Don't let me compromise here. Keep me going. Don't let me shift into neutral. Keep me going. He says, get rid of every sin, every weight that clings so closely. Get rid of anything that would slow you down. Get rid of every sin in your life that would cause you to not want to run. And listen, when I say sin, because I think that if you go to church long enough, when you hear the word sin, you start to think about things that you're not doing and you feel good, don't you? Right? Oh, sin. So that means having having an affair on your wife and selling meth to middle middle school students. Right? I'm not doing any of those. Hallelujah. When he says sin, think coasting in your relationship with Jesus. 
Think a relationship with Jesus that's built on the foundation of you prayed a prayer or did something in church 20 years ago and you've got no affections for him in your heart years later here you sit today. Think that thing that's slowing you down, that's holding you back, that you've been trying to justify and make excuses for how God's not talking to you about it when the reality is he's been talking to you about it the whole time and if you don't deal with it, it will destroy you. Think that sin. And he says, let it go. Let it go. He's not trying to hold you back. He's trying to invite you to freedom. If he started something in your life, why would you want to slow down? Why would you want to turn away, keep going? And he says, looking to Jesus. Jesus did not die on the cross so that you and I can be spectators. Jesus died on the cross to to put us in the race, and he's causing us to take one step in front of the other. He's, calling us, he's causing us to continue to crawl towards him. He's the one who's with us in the race. He's at the finish line of the race, cheering you on. Did you know that? He's looking at you right now saying, keep going. You're, you're closer than you think that you are. Don't give up. I know that you're tired. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. He's he's with you at the finish line, and he's going to bring you to the finish line. But don't quit until you hit the finish line. Break that tape in full stride because he has brought you home. Listen, if you don't like what I'm saying right now, we sing it all the time. There's a a song that's been written, and one day it'll become real popular. It's called Amazing Grace. One day it'll catch on. Um, and there's a verse in that song that says this, Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. His grace has brought me safe thus far, and His grace, can anybody finish it? Will lead me home. His grace is going to lead me home. So what's our response? Run. Summit, listen to me, listen to me. Don't quit. Don't quit. If you're here and you're growing, don't quit. Man, do whatever it takes to fan the the flame that Jesus has put on your heart. Put fuel on that fire and don't quit. If if you're here, you're here, you're about to enter a relationship with a guy or a girl, you love God, they don't love God. Oh, I'm strong enough. Really? No, you're not. No, you're not. You're here, you've got this thing in your life that you hope nobody knows about. You need to turn from that and turn to Jesus and run and don't quit. If he started something in your life, some of you, you've settled for a kind of Christianity that you'll only find in America. You won't find it in the Bible where your relationship with Jesus, quote unquote, consists of an hour every week. What kind of solid relationship in your life would you have if you only dealt with that relationship one hour a week? How solid would your marriage be if you talked one hour a week? Some of you know, because you're only talking an hour a week right now. Right? Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Some of you, you need to begin running today. You you might come to church and and people think that you're saved, but you know and God knows that you're not. You're, You're not. You're not. You don't have a relationship with him. And today... Today, 
Jesus is calling you to get in the race and run. Because listen, next week we're going to start our Christmas series. I'm going to give you a little sneak peek about where we're going to go for the next couple of weeks. But let me just talk to people who are here. You're filling a seat, but Jesus is not filling you. You don't have a relationship with him. Let me just talk to you for a second. Are you really going to settle for a life that, that amounts to a bigger television? Are you really going to go back out and settle for that thing, whatever it is? The, the bigger television, the mini iPad, black socks, because some of you, that's all you're going to get this year. So, nobody loves you, um, right? That's all you're going to get, black socks. But we, praise God, right? Are you going to settle for the job, the paycheck, the opinion of other people? You were made for more than that. You were made to know God. And today, Jesus died so that you can be so caught up with him that you would want to run. That you'd be so caught up with him that when you see him, you'll look at him and you'll know that my heart will only be at home until it's at home with him. And today, you can give him your life. He's not inviting you to a death sentence. He's not inviting you to some relationship where he strips all the fun away. He's inviting you to freedom. And today you can begin running because he wants to start something in your life. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes for a moment? Can I talk to the Christians in the room? Let me talk to to every Christian that's in the room with every head bowed and with every eye closed. If you are here and God has genuinely started something in your life, He is going to bring you to the finish line. He's not going to halfway do it. He's going to do it all the way. But in between, He calls you to run. And I know usually right now I pray and and then kind of get us started, but I want to give you right now a time just to process What is God speaking to you? And here's what I want to ask every Christian in the room, every Christian in the room. Would you just take a second or two and go to God right now, and in your own way, would you pray, God, do not let me quit. Thank you for starting something in me, but don't let me quit. However you want to express that to God, this is between you and Him. You pray it silently right now. Don't let me quit. Don't let me throw in the towel. Don't don't let me turn to the right or to the left. Keep me, keep me going. Going. Now, what is he saying to you today? What is God saying to you today? With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here and you would just simply say, Mark, God is speaking something into my life right now. God has spoken to me. God is dealing with me through this sermon. Would you just raise your hand up right now so that we can see that hand? Say, God is speaking to me right now. God is speaking to me. He's laying something on my heart. Would you slip your hand up right now? It might be to turn from a sin. There's hands up right over there. Any more hands? Hands up in the middle. Any other hands? Hands up in the back. Anybody else? Hands up right over here on this side. Anybody else? Just say, Mark, God is speaking to me. Here's what I know. God wants to use other believers to help you keep running. People who have not arrived but are in the journey with you. And if you raised your hand or you didn't, I want you wherever you're at. If God is dealing with you, get up out of your seat and make your way to the back of the auditorium right now. We've got people who are there ready to talk to you right now. You go ahead and do it right now. Go ahead and do it right now. If you've got your hand up or you raised your hand, you didn't even raise your hand, but you're saying, man, I need somebody to pray for me. I want you to make your way out of your seat right now and go to the back. Just go right now. If that's you, if that's you, God wants to use other people in your life to keep you going. You get up out of your seat right now and you just make your way to the back. 
don't get to the car and wish, oh man, I wish that I would have done that. I was too afraid of what people think about me. If you need to do that, you do it. But some of you are here and you're not saved. Maybe you walked in and you thought that you were. Because you had this view of eternal security. said, oh man, I did that and somebody told me never to doubt it again. But, but you're sitting here and you do not love Jesus Christ. You're at perfect peace with what he died for. And listen, listen, if that's you, the Holy Spirit wants to give you a new heart today. If that's you today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, you know you're not saved right there where you sit. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord, believe that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. So if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to pray a prayer. I just invite you to pray this prayer along with me today. Silently to yourself, this is between you and God. You just pray a simple prayer like this. This says, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. I give my life to you. I want to live for you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for coming back from the dead for me. With every head bowed and with every eye closed, did you just pray that prayer? Did you just pray that prayer? Or maybe you didn't, but you want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. You, you want to start a relationship. Listen, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to count to three. And as soon as I say three, nobody is looking around right now. And it doesn't matter if they were, because you're not going to stand in front of any of these people. Okay? But as soon as I say three, if you want to say, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus... I want you to shoot your hand up into the air. Don't even hesitate. You raise your hand. As soon as I say three, you raise your hand and say, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ today. One, two, three. Raise your hand right now. Say, I want God to save me. I want him to completely change my life. If that's you, you raise your hand right now in this moment. Any hand, anybody at all. Listen, if that's you today, if you need to go and talk to somebody in the back, you get up and go. We've got a free Bible for you. We've got, we've got a lot of stuff that we just want to give to you and pour into your life today. Don't leave until God finishes what he wants to deal with you about today. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this moment. I thank you for every person that's in the room. And I thank you that what you start, you'll finish. What, what you have started in the lives of so many people, God, you're going to finish it because, Jesus, you are the author and the perfecter. You are the founder and the finisher. And so, Jesus, I pray that we would leave if we've got a relationship with you with confidence because you've purchased all of our salvation, but God, that we would run. God, that we would be a church filled with people who are passionate about you. Jesus, you are worth far more than settling for some nice songs and a sermon on a Sunday. You are worthy of our lives and we want to give our lives to you. Father, we love you. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Summit, let's thank God right now that we serve a Savior who has purchased all of our salvation. And we want to live our lives for Him. Listen, here's what I want to ask you to do. Our band is going to dismiss us in just a moment, so stay where you're seated. But on your way out, if you're a first-time guest, we've got a free gift for you. The table to your right, you just go there. And, and we've got some guest service volunteers there. But right now, would you take your connection card and fill out that connection card. We just want to give you a moment or two right now. Right now, I know that this is the time of the service where a lot of people like to get their luggage together and pack like you're getting on the plane. Uh, but, but let's just slow down for a second and fill out that connection card. Any way that we can pray for you, we want to know. Listen, some of you, you've been coming and 
And God wants to do more than just have you come and sit. God wants you to serve. And so you can take the card and flip it over and check a box where you can serve here at Summit. And on your way out today are guest service volunteers who are getting ready right now. And you can just drop your field out connection card right there in that basket. If you're a first-time guest, just hit that table. We've got a free gift for you. And like I said earlier, if you've been coming to Summit a couple times, two or three times, uh, make sure to stop at the Next Step booth. We've got a little something for you today. We're so excited that you guys are here. Next week, we start our Christmas series, All I Want for Christmas. It's going to be a big deal. We're going to really uh, just go, go all out next week. And listen, let's pray big for what God is going to do our Christmas season. This is what you great time to invite some friends, bring people with you. Pick some of those invite cards up for the service you're going to be a part of. Let's stand. Everybody stand. And our band is going to dismiss us today. Hey, love you guys. We'll see you next week.